Welcome to the BridgeWatch Podcast, bringing you up to speed on all things innovation in the shipbuilding and marine industry. My name is William and my job is to provide shipbuilders with innovative tools to increase their productivity. My name is Winston. I'm the co-host along with William and I've been in the marine industry for 26 years. Teach naval architecture at the Marine Institute in St. John's, Newfoundland. And I do marine consulting work, helping companies build better ships faster. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys. This episode of BridgeWatch is brought to you by Enelf Marine, providing shipbuilding software and expert advice to enhance your value stream. Whether you're a shipbuilder, ship owner, or designer, give your team a competitive advantage. Visit enelfmarine.com and let us help you build better ships faster. All right. Uh, good morning, afternoon, whenever you are listening to us. Uh, we are happy to be uh, to be back with you on a nice Thursday. And yeah, uh, absolutely. We got a nice uh, subject for you. Something that uh, we're kind of obligated to talk about, uh, but uh, our industry. Yeah, we we are we are. Well, do you, do you think like the you know people are are, are having like COVID fatigue in terms of the conversations or what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. But we need to talk about the job that uh, our industry exactly. did. So um, yeah, yeah. You to, bet. To, to get right, right into it. So actually COVID took the marine and shipbuilding industry by surprise. However, yeah. the response from the industry was unexpected in a good way. Yeah, um, absolutely. But next, can we digitally adapt uh, to predict for the future? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So you bet. If we start r- right from the beginning, um, so when COVID hit, uh, everyone said that was the Friday the 13th uh, when everything hit uh, and everything got closed. Here in Canada, there, there were countries that were hit uh, prior to us, but um, was it actually the thirteenth? It I was Friday it was the thirteenth that here wow. everything okay. got closed, and it was actually wow. the last okay. time that I did some actual work from the office. So <laughs> <laughs> after that, it was just to get stuff and move stuff. <laughs> but uh, right, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. right. So um, when it started, generally, general. Generally, a uh, yard got closed in March. So um, there are a few yards here in Canada that got closed because um, at the right at the beginning, the essentials one were only the ones making ships for uh, the government. But we're, we're going to talk about that later. But there's actually yeah. other... Um, they, they they took the time to find a way to make them essentials. But uh, there's a few yards um, that I can mention now. So um, in Italy, of course, they got hit hard very fast. Uh, so yes, Fincantieri right. got closed uh, for at least a month. Uh, then there, there's a few yards. Uh, I'm thinking about um, some few yards here in Canada that closed only for two weeks uh, to kind of uh, adapt the shipyard. Uh, to make sure that uh, all their uh, employees are safe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, but I mean, so the Fincantieri has yards all over the world. That's so right. I, I don't remember. Did did 
did they shut down their yards that were in the U.S. as well, or or, or did they just shut down what was happening in Italy? Uh, only what's happening in Italy. So uh, right, in okay, the U.S., they I got think, hit hard yeah. right away. Yeah, yeah. They they were yeah. they were not hit hard initially because uh, mm. the, the border got closed quickly, so that was good. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But um, and then shipyard needed to limit the amount of workers so after that little period that everything got closed they needed to, to adapt the amount of, of workers within the shipyards um, because again it took us by surprise so they wanted to limit the amount of workers being there uh, to make sure they're safe so um, on that that note I found some I did some research and I was able to look at um, a shipyard here in Canada, so Irving Shipbuilding, located in Halifax, they did some, they talked with uh, the, the news, and they were saying that uh, half of the staff was in the shipyard. Half of the staff they usually have, but don't get confused, mm. there's some that were able to work from home. So that's good, right. they were still able to be yep. uh, efficient, but working from home. However, there's a portion of them that lost their job. Um, so, yeah, that that's what happened for them. Uh, so they actually, they got laid off? Is that is that what? Yeah. And it was, yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. They, I didn't realize that, yeah. Yeah, they got laid off. Um, some were hired back again in the summer, but, um, yeah, there's definitely people that lost their job because of COVID uh, in that situation. So that's unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what, uh, so Irving kept going. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, and it's because they were doing government work. Was that the, something that you mentioned earlier? Was it, was that why they were able to keep going because they were sort of mandated? Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. So they, they right. just okay. did not stop uh, because of that. However, um, Shipyard were mostly considered essentials after a few weeks. Every shipyard right. got reopened yeah. again. Right, which was surprising because I remember I was working in Florida at the time and I was wondering, you know, okay, well, uh, some shipyards are closing and some are staying opened. Uh, but what is, and so what happened was, I, I think the government, of course, just like everybody else in business and, and whether it's private or public, was trying yep. to figure out this whole thing you know mm -hmm. how serious is it how long is it going to take and all that and it took them it's well which is for from a government point of view yeah. surprisingly fast right uh but but it still took a few weeks for them to figure out which uh you know uh, sectors were were essential and which weren't so i actually looked up yeah. on the, some of the u.s sites and, and on the canadian sites and we fall under uh, in the U.S. It was critical manufacturing, and uh, uh, in Canada it was uh, it was basically just just manufacturing. And, and okay. ship shipbuilding is actually listed as one of the uh, one of the critical manufacturing uh, businesses that that need to keep going. So, uh, w which makes total sense, especially when you look at the context of all the other things.
things that were considered right. essential in terms of logistics and transportation and yep. making sure as much as possible could keep moving so that consumer goods could keep moving. And of course, the, the government uh, uh, shipyards that were building for the government, it makes sense that they would stay open because those are the Navy guys. And, you know, so defense is still important and all that. So, but I was actually pleasantly surprised when I, when I learned that uh, shipyards and, and design offices and so on could keep going, uh, which was terrific. Yeah. Yeah, that was part of the surprise too. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's actually, yeah, that's that's kind of um, a quick, quick recap on how COVID took our industry by surprise. Uh, and if we yeah. jump into the response, so yeah, to us, the response was unexpected in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, and we can just continue right, right on it, talking about the. Uh, the essential shipbuilders. So, because we were essential, the, mm-hmm. it, it's one of the biggest shops that shipbuilding were. So, shipyards are very big and they're considered essential. Mm-hmm. So, they were yes. one of the industry on the front line trying to find a way to keep going, even with all the restriction yeah. and with a yeah. large yeah, amount exactly. of well, workers. Right. Yeah. So, so they, I mean, even whether you were building for the government or whether you were a commercial yard, they were still right at the beginning of the pandemic and trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? Right. And there was, yeah. uh, you know, if I recall, there was a lot of confusion at the beginning and there was, you know, different governments had different mandates, you exactly. know, it was provincial and, and yeah. then it was, you know, either federal or whether it be Canadian or, or U.S. So, so what, what were some of the things that, that they put in place to, to make sure that, that it kept going. Did you, were you able to find anything? Yeah. So usually the, uh, most shipyards were looking at, um, local recommendation. So it can be federal right. or provincial, but they were looking at local, um, things that the government required either to keep going or they were just recommending because it was unclear at the time. They were still, there's stuff required, but there's stuff that, okay, do you need to have that to keep going or it's just a recommendation from the government? So they were do, doing heavy testing. So uh, temperature monitoring every morning uh, at lunch and then at the end of the day, mask was mandatory for um people that did not have an office um, and yeah, social distancing again. Uh, so that was, uh, that was mainly what happened. And like we said, U.S. shipyard mostly did not close. The big one did not close. Right. Uh, yes, right. We talk about the, uh, the one building big ships for the Navy or the Coast Guard. And if we looked at some in Canada, I was able to take a look at uh, what C-SPAN did, and they did one case. So the the CEO was making a letter to the employees every week to kind of say, okay, what's 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 happening? Uh, yep. What is C-SPAN doing? What are um, what are they doing with suppliers? What's happening mm-hmm. around that? So. That was good. Which is an excellent question because shipbuilding doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's right. There are so many supporting vendors and everybody else who also need to be uh, included in the the, the, the build. So, yeah. So, how how did that all work? Uh, It worked pretty well. So, they're only 
they was able to they were able to limit the amount of suppliers because of technology um mm -hmm. and when i looked at the cases there's actually one case that happened at c-span and it did not spread so they were able to control it because of all the uh, social distancing uh, measure and everything was fine uh mm. so that was uh that's a good story Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I hate to be the Debbie Downer, <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's it's awesome that we were able to, both commercial and uh, non-commercial yards were able to, to kind of keep going. But, you know, our business, uh, the marine industry and shipbuilding and ship design and shipbuilding and shipping is really uh, dependent on what's happening in the economy. And right. as we all know, the economy took such, the global economy took such a hit from uh, fr from COVID. Right. So even though we were able to kind of keep building and finish projects that were underway, I was able to, like I, I look up uh, on the uh, shiptechnology.com website and uh, one of the things I found was, uh, you know, they, they listed the uh, 2020 Chinese crude tanker demand, for example. Okay. And you can see the, uh, you know, from like uh, uh, when, when COVID, there was a, the coronavirus outbreak, demand for uh, for for oil just just dropped like like a stone you know what i mean it, yeah. it was amazing as a matter of fact on that same uh, on the same site you can see where it, a lot of it correlated to uh, a similar drop happened in 2008 when we had the economic melt you know the global economic yeah. melt and so uh, you know there's an issue too of course with uh, with what happens long term i mean great short term everybody's able to keep going while we figure out figure this whole thing out but then of course we have the the knock on effects of Uh, dramatically reduced demand in, in products, consumer goods, and, and oil. And also the, the, the poor cruise ship guys, I mean, they got shut down completely. I mean, no sale order. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, at the moment, even though, you know, the government, the, the, the shipyards that are building for government are able to continue and keep going even now because they're, of course, financed by, they're not so tied to what's happening in the world of, you know, a price of a barrel of oil or consumer goods. But a lot of the commercial yards that are building for building container ships, building tankers, building product tankers yep. and feeder container ships and that sort of stuff uh, and cruise ships. I, you know, I guess it's going to be uh, a number of years until we get back up to the demand that there was before coronavirus. And I mean, we're still kind of in the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still, uh, so I think that we're going to be seeing the effects of this uh, for a while. Uh, but but I suppose the, the other thing I'd like to add too is what's interesting about some of these uh, the construction projects that are even underway now. You know, there's a lot of pressure on the the delivery dates for these vessels. Yeah. Yeah. And so shipyards, uh, you know, they they had to have been taking advantage of the the force majeure clause in 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 their contracts, right? I mean, so we, you know, uh, for those of you who who don't know what that is, basically in a contract, if you have something that's referred to as kind of an act of God that you have no control over, yeah. like a some kind of disaster. And this, I think this qualifies as, as a disaster. It does. Uh, you know, you, you can certainly, uh, uh, you know, invoke that clause and, uh, uh, you know, there is a, um, uh, you know, you can actually delay the, the delivery of the vessel. So I'm sure that that, that was happening and is happening all over the place. Uh, and, and so I'm sure that even though we were able to keep going and keep building, there's, 
huge fights between owners and shipbuilders as to the delays in the contract and everything else. So uh, that whole thing is uh, an interesting side of it as well, right? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how everybody fares, at, you know, as, as we continue to build and continue to, to be delayed in our delivery dates and stuff, right? So yeah, because yeah. the um, interesting the, 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 on the ship owner side of things, if it takes the demand drop and takes more time to build the actual ship that they need now, then yeah. for sure they're gonna think it twice prior to uh, put a new contract in place. Uh, so there's Absolutely actually the case, some yeah. um, there's actually some consequences consequences from COVID. That's going to happen in the demand from ship owners to shipbuilders in the next few years. And as we always discuss um, on the show and off the show, our industry is really up and down in terms of demand. Uh, So it can be uh, ship owners, ship designers, but they're very... um, they require the industry to go well in order to have contract. Uh, so it can be really up and down from them. Uh, so that's something yep. that uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, take a look. But uh, if we look yeah. at... Uh, so uh, yeah. it's just, uh, I'll just add one more thing. It's I can remember, um, I, I forget the yard, but it was at one of the yards in, in I think, Germany that was uh, maybe Poppenberg that, uh, yep. where they're building uh, some of the cruise ships. They were saying that the... It's to get back to pre-COVID numbers would probably take 10, 15, maybe even 20 years to, to get Ooh. those numbers back up to where yeah. they were before. Yeah. So, so it's still a pretty big hit. Yeah, absolutely. For those guys. And, and of course, uh, other industries are going to see similar hits, I, I believe. Yeah, uh, for sure. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to minimize them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, if we looked at the future, so. Yeah. How can we adapt? So what are kind of some lesson learned that we have from COVID? Yeah. Well, I I think the, the you know, the, the, the first one is, is the, the obvious one in that a yep. lot of the, the, the knowledge workers, uh, you know, people who are doing design work and, and office staff who could just take their laptop home or, or work from home. Right. Uh, you know, I re- remember, I, I can remember hearing all the time that, you know, certain things just, you know, you can't be remote. You can't do it remotely. You have to be present. And then all of a sudden everybody's forced to work from home and you figure out a way to make it work. Right. Exactly so right. Yeah. what, what was awesome too, is that, uh, you know, developers stepped up to the plate and they were like, okay, well we have a platform called zoom. We have a platform called teams. We've never used it as extensively as we have, but let's see what we can make work. Work, right. And so right. everybody all over the world was scrambling to try and make this thing work. And I think one of the things we learned was that remote working is absolutely a possibility, even for shipyards. Right. Because uh, I, I think um, we were talking about this the other day. My partner, she works at a, a ship production uh, company, right? So, so basically, her job is to you know uh, model ships, and so she's she builds the digital prototype. And of course, they've been they've been doing that uh, kind of remotely for years because they're usually a subcontractor for yards. Yep. But even in their office, you know, they have a couple hundred people working there normally. 
but the, basically the company just said, okay, we're buying everybody a computer and you're going home, <laughs> right? you, go. you know, and they were, they were, you know, it took them a little while to figure out the, the way to do it, but oh, yeah. they were able to, to come up with methodologies and workflows to allow everybody to work using, you know, teams and, and mm-hmm. VPN and technology to be able to, to work remotely. And, and I think what we're seeing now is that a lot of uh, companies are, are, you know, even, the situation is improving, even though we're not through the pandemic yet. But uh, they're ha- they're doing kind of rotating shifts where you know week on week off, or you know you can work completely from home, or you know a couple of days at the office, a couple of days at home, or whatever. Right. So I I think that's one kind of big uh, positive that that came out of the out of the whole thing is that we learned that you know we're we are actually able to design and do a lot of the digital things remotely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and well, we, we experienced that too, right? That's I mean, right. You you said on on that Friday the thirteenth, you were, you were just uh, you were moving office, and we've been able to continue doing uh, consulting work and and all that sort of stuff just remotely, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's yeah. correct. And um, we're, we we also prepared ourselves for other unexpected scalable emergencies. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we can. We can definitely adapt in the future because we did. So yeah. it gives some confidence if anything big like that happens. Well, and I think that that's actually a, a, an excellent point in that, okay, we, nobody, well, I won't say nobody, but I mean, none of the businesses or shipyards that, or any of the engineering offices or anybody that I talk to had a plan in place right. before yeah. before the pandemic, right? Yep. And I hope now that at least we've learned the lesson that, in case of major catastrophe like a pandemic or a war or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that we'll have some kind of emergency planning in place t- so that we can, uh, uh, you know, go remote quickly right. or figure out other ways that we can manage a, a, a catastrophe like this. So, so we'll have, I, I think, you know, having, a, and actually I read this in a, in a good Forbes article. Uh, one of the things that they said was be prepared for the unexpected. And just like you mentioned, having, you know, scalable emergency plans is really kind of a big deal, you know, so mm-hmm. that when uh, the, uh, you know, what hits the fan, we have something in place so that we, everybody knows what, what they're doing more or less, you know, yep. and uh, it might even come to the place where we're able to uh, to drill it you know what I mean because just like a fire drill you know every year or two years you have a mandatory okay what happens if a disaster happens we're going to put the plan in place now and um, but I, w- I wonder what other things that we can we can do what, what are your thoughts yeah so um, like you said there's a lot of the design that can be done from home um, yeah. however I think because COVID took a long time. We were a lot mm. outside of the office. We kind of uh, figured out a way, not for everything, to limit the, to limit the new problem that we had, which was siloed information. So yeah. yes, we spend less time chit chatting, but we're not as connected. So there's def- there's definitely some department or individual that are siloed so that's something that i think um with the long time we've been not in the office uh for yeah designers at least they figured it out so because it's a it's a problem that was not a two months problem it's a problem that we had for 
in the last yeah. almost two years. A, a two-year a two, a two problem. That's yeah, right. Exactly, yeah. So so for, for those who are maybe new to the industry, what, when you say siloed information, what do you mean by that? Oh, that means that uh, people are not speaking to each other. Um, so there's we can definitely take a look at either engineering, talking to planning, talking to production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right. we need everyone to walk end by end because uh, sometimes the... Yeah, there's either an end that is not willing to shake the other ends, or they're not in the right space, right? Right. Uh, so yeah. that's that's the problem yeah. we're seeing here. Uh, if they don't want to shake hands, then that's the problem we had in the past too. Uh, it's just silo information. But now it's just like okay, we we just don't have the opportunity to shake our hands, or we need to communicate differently. Uh, so instead of shaking right. hands, we need to speak over teams. Uh, right. So that's kind of what uh, silo information is. So that kind of, uh, you know, leads me to think that, you know, maybe that we could use tools better or, or you right. know, the whole idea of the, the digitalization of the shipyard where things right. are shared digitally mm-hmm. uh, in an efficient way using some of the tools like PLM, for example, right. or, or the use of the cloud or some of these other things. Yep. And, and uh, you know, it makes me wonder too about, you know, how uh, some Navy yards, you know, think everything has to be air gapped and their security is all super high and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wonder how those remote workers dealt with having such high security you know, I, I don't know anybody actually who who was working in one of the U.S. yards that has you know top security and stuff. But it would be interesting to uh, to talk to one of those guys before. But do you think that there's a even an opportunity for for shipyards to uh, maybe invest in uh, their digital infrastructure? Not, I mean, not just on the knowledge side where you know communication can flow freely from the design office to production planning to wherever but i mean even on the shop floor where we have a li- maybe maybe invest in a little more automation if possible you know what i mean where we have uh you know full panel lines that are fully automated where we have you know uh where it's it's not that we're looking for for less people in the shipyard necessarily but but when we have a, a situation like that uh obviously machines can continue to work and you know if we have people operating the machines machinery welders aren't necessarily stuck together like they used to be right so maybe this is a a wake-up call in in a way for uh and i i completely understand that we're talking sometimes we're talking about big investment dollars that aren't always necessarily available especially Mm -hmm. anticipating the fact that we might have a slump in demand after this is all over right yeah, you know, once we are a few years past this, it might be interesting for yards to to think about uh, a, an investment in the digitalization of the yard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like with with some of the automation and and higher amounts of automation. So again, if we're hit by again another catastrophe, this is part of their emergency plan. Where you know, well, we've already figured out that you know we we can digitalize the shipyard a bit more and have automation and so it's not as big of an impact as it it used to be uh that way what what are your thoughts on that yeah i think definitely um that's something to think about about uh, yeah. the digital infrastructure for sure uh but to me the point that you mentioned about demand that will kind of crash and we expect it to me that's kind of okay do we really want to make that investment um, yeah. However, when we talk about the digital ship, 
then the digital right. ship itself so investing in more technology to allow to have a um, a better digital prototype then that's going to allow the shipyard to be better prepared and be the right person to maybe gain some work in the future uh so i I think to me the first step is to be able to have the ship digitally so once the ship is out the ship can come back uh yes once we're there then um will have more reliable form of revenue and more consistent form of revenue. And that means that at that time, uh, digital infrastructure can be good. But I think it's uh, one step right. at a time in terms of uh, digitalization of the shipyard. Um, yeah, so, so the, yeah. the smaller investment would be in the, the digital prototype, That's right? right? So again, I mean, we've been beating this drum for a while where... We, we recognize that building the digital prototype is the, is the first ship and, you know, being able to actually complete it shortens the build cycle of the physical asset. Yeah. And, of course, that every, everybody wins when that happens, right? Because, again, it, it, it requires less time and there's less quality issues with the ship coming back and things like that. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you for a... a, a you know, a modest investment, you know, again, we're expecting the slump. So, so investing the big dollars in the physical shipyard itself might be cost prohibitive for a little while, but, uh, but certainly, uh, some, some of the things that we're talking about is much more achievable. Yeah. What about, uh, what do you think about, um, the, the, the mental impact that, uh, that this whole thing had on everybody, knowledge workers, shipyard workers, and, I suppose it's the same as everybody. Everybody was uh, similar in that, uh, you know, concern, stress, uh, all these things. Hey, yeah, yeah. What do you to think? me, uh, the mental side of things, I think it depend on people, depend on really who you talk to. Uh, yeah, because there's definitely. What I see is that programmers are very happy because they can work in silence at home and <laughs> get more done and they can work at night yeah. if they want to work at night. Sure. Uh, people, I like, would say uh, that about engineers as well, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Not, yeah. Not yeah. Knowledge probably. workers. Yeah. That, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- to me, it, like, yeah, it, it depends. Probably like people uh, in... Rela- uh, communication, relation, HR, whatever. These people on the mental side of things can be harder because uh, they like to speak with people. They like to be with them. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, technology can definitely adapt to allow that. And I think we moving forward will allow to have more events. Events are coming back this year. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. for these kind of people, it's, the the good days are coming uh so yep. yeah it took us by surprise we had a good response from the industry so very unexpected response let me say mm-hmm. and uh, we were able to digitally adapt which will make our work uh, more efficient and better for the future yeah absolutely right yeah yeah and there's there's lots of knock on effects that of course we could talk about for yep. a long time like I think that uh, like having a plan in place knowing that you have a plan in place reduces stress anyway 
do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you that, uh, uh, you know, we were fortunate in that the shipbuilding industry had a, had a good response. We were able to keep working and, uh, but, but I think that we can do better, uh, through the planning and, and again, further digitalization. Uh, yeah. So excellent. Yeah. All right. I think we, uh, yep. we covered that subject and we'll definitely, uh, yeah talk about it a little bit but that was uh our episode that we wanted to uh knock on covid and uh talk a little bit about that in uh, our specific industry absolutely all right well thanks a lot thank you everyone Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, innovmarine.com slash bridgewatch. And uh, we have a space there for you to put comments and questions. Be part of the conversation. We'll see you in two weeks to chat more about the exciting news in our industry, to chat more about what it's coming in terms of innovation, how can we make our industry better. And like Winston said, share our comments there. And who knows, maybe your subject will be the next topic of our show. Thank you and see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.